our latest episode of Certified Fresh. I'm your host, Brian Z-Mania. We have a great show this week, taking a little turn from our normal segments. First up, I invited industry superstar Dan Bowen to join me on the pod. Having spent over 30 years in different divisions of DuPont, Dan has generated a wealth of knowledge that he deploys in order to keep workers safe. Having recently moved to the woods of North Carolina, which you can verify by the birds chirping in the background, Dan and I reflect on many aspects of DPP. We talk about the industry in general, some of the great product innovations, challenges he's seen firsthand, as well as discuss how Line Drive and our team can get involved with end-user customers and make sure we're asking those questions. Stick around to the end, and you may even get some bluegrass recommendations. Then, from the front seat of a RAV4, I bring you the next installment of our Blockbuster series, Better Get to Know a Noob. Arturo Moran, our solutions consultant in San Antonio, gives us some insight into his background, as well as navigating relationship pressure during a pandemic. Arturo has a passion for industrial safety and Marvel shows, and we're glad to have him on the team. And now, enjoy the latest. Sit back, turn up the volume, and stay fresh. All right, joining us on the pod today, a long-time industry professional, someone who has a strong safety background, someone who uh, had multiple requests to be interviewed on the podcast. It is Mr. Dan Bowen. How are you today, Dan? I'm well. Uh, how are you, Brian? I'm good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. For those who may not know, Dan is one of our partners with DuPont. Uh, he's been there for many years, and we'll, we'll dive into that. But he's someone who is, is well-known in the safety industry, has frequently interviewed, and, and whose insight is sought out by uh, tons of professionals within the safety environment. So uh, excited to have you on and excited to pick your brain on uh, all things safety, industrial, and DuPont. Happy to be here. Pick away. All right. So give us give us some background. What 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 is the the Dan Bowen safety journey? Well, so I uh, I I didn't go to school for safety way 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 back when. Um, I am currently sixty one years old. College seems like a <laughs> long way back in the rearview mirror. Um, I actually started out my academic career as a computer science major, so I was going down the path of of IT, and then. Um, decided that sitting in front of a desk or in front of a computer screen for eight hours a day was likely to kill me because it just doesn't meld well with my personality type. Uh, so I changed majors and went into um, graphic arts. At the time, the university I was at had the uh, number one school for printing technology in the world. It was Rochester, New York, Rochester Institute of Technology. Got out of school and um, it turned out that my academic experience positioned me real well for a company that was um doing color reproduction basically a guy named john crossfield over in england invented the first color scanner back in 1947 and about the time i was getting out of school they were computerizing that whole process so my academic background in computers and and graphic arts melded perfectly to uh, uh allow me to have a lot of success with that company in that phase of my career that company was purchased by DuPont um, way back when. The sale closed on August of 1990, and that's when I became a DuPont employee. So I've got uh, over 30 years with DuPont. And the um, interesting thing about that industry was back, uh, you know, I was on the computerized side of things, but DuPont was a huge player in the photopolymer side. So basically we had stables of photopolymer chemists that um, invented a lot of unique things that were used in the printing industry. Um, along my path in that career, I ended up transitioning from the electronic side of life into the um, uh, photopolymer side. And in that role, I spent a tremendous amount of time with PhD physicists and chemists every day. Uh, I spent two years you know, basically going to work at the DuPont Experimental Station where all the experimental folks were. Um, and although I don't have a you know, a, a degree in chemistry, I like to say, uh, I got it by osmosis. You know, you spend a lot of time with uh, with chemists and physicists, you're bound to pick up a little bit of information. What ended up happening was the uh, printing industry, the computer took it over. There was no market anymore for any of the photopolymer products that we had. They were all consumable. So that, that market completely dried up. DuPont exited the business, and I needed to find a new home. And uh, I managed to find a personal protection business. And, you know, once again, my uh, 
my exposure to uh, uh, both chemical manufacturing, because I spent a lot of time in, in that last role at a couple of our manufacturing sites, uh, as well as working with chemists on, on the photopolymer side of life. Um, I had a pretty solid background in terms of being able to understand you know, some of the processes that are used to plants, but also the, um, you know, the hazardous materials that are, are everywhere. And, um, you know, slowly, uh, slowly came up to speed on the personal protection side of life. And I've been doing this for quite a few years now. I spent about, I think, 12 years as the North American technical marketing specialist for the business. And about three years ago, they transitioned me into the uh, uh, regional sales manager role. So, and of course, I still have a lot of, uh, a lot of end use customers that, you know, I've built relationships with on the technical side of life that, uh, you know, that I still stay in touch with and they reach out to me when they have needs. So that's, uh, in a nutshell, how I got here. Wow. That's a, that's an interesting journey. I did not know that story from graphic arts to, uh, renowned hazardous, uh, chemical protection guy. So yeah, what, it's been fun. It's been, a, it's been a great run. That's cool. So how, over the past, you know, you've, you've been really focused on the, the hazard end user for the past 15 years or so. How have you seen, um, changes in the workplace uh, as far as workplace safety evolve over those 15 years? I think one of the things that's been interesting is the, the quantity of incidents that people have has dropped pretty substantially. As a, as a, a nation or a chemical industry, however you want to look at it, the um, number one, regs have tightened up quite a bit, but also people's uh, awareness of the hazards and how they handle things has improved radically. You know, the transportation, the handling, the, the automated instrumentation. Um, you know, I think if you look at things like, uh, you know, chemical spills, you talk to people at these hazmat sites, some of the old timers, right, the guys that have been there for 15, 20, 30 years, they'll tell you that, yeah, you know, 30 years ago, we had, you know, two, three incidents a week we were responding to. Now it's two or three a year. So I think as, a, as an industry, a lot's been tightened up. You know, of course, there's still situations where PPE is an absolute requirement. There's, you know, there's things that you can't just engineer the hazard all the way out of. But I think, um, you know, I think the chemical industry has done a, an awful lot of, of work to try and minimize the potential for exposure to people. And the same holds true on the arc flash side. You know, if, uh, you know, same drill, right? If you go back a lot of years, people that have been electrical safety people for years um, used to have a lot more incidents. Well, the, the equipment manufacturers have come up with, you know, different, uh, different resistance technologies for their grounding, automated racking devices, um, infrared inspection ports that they put on equipment so people don't have to open cabinets anymore. So, so I think, you know, the, the past 15, 20 years, we've seen a pretty significant improvement in just the, the safety culture um, in industry. You know, it doesn't eliminate the need for, for DuPont and its products and, you know, our leadership and, and chemical protection and thermal prote for protection, but, uh, you know, and cut resistant protection. But, um, you know, I, I think that we have seen a, a step change in terms of the, the focus that, that most industries have on making sure they keep their people safe. Yeah, I think that that's fair. It, it, certainly from just even the compliance standpoint, as far as, um, you know, it's, it's not the wild, wild west out there. There's a lot more regulations and recordings and, and even a lot more focus on it, whether it's training or, um, you know, just better engineering controls. So absolutely. Um, thinking about that, the, the changes in the workplace, how about uh, DuPont personal protection itself? How, how have you seen that change and evolve over your, your 15 years or 15 plus years there? Ooh, um, so there's a good question. You know, we've, we've had, um, upper level leadership changes over the years, which every company does. Right. Uh, so we've had some, some, you know, minor changes in direction in terms of the focus, uh, over the years, you know, we've, we've had periods of time where, uh, our sole focus was strictly on distribution. Uh, we've had the pendulum swing the other way where the sole focus was supposed to be end users and, you know, now I think we're, we're somewhat in the middle. I think that, uh, you know, the DuPont organization has a, a good understanding that you can't, you can't be too far one side or the other on that, uh, uh, on that range, right? Because you, you have to have that relationship with your, with your end users. You know, we've got a lot of very large end users that buy a, a lot of our product. You need to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in their businesses. But, you know, the relationship, the financial relationship with those end users is owned by the distributors. And, you know, you've got to be cognizant of that fact. And, uh, you know, you've got, to, you've got to work with both entities. So uh, I think we're in a good place right now in terms of the focus of our leadership across our, our product lines. And, um, you know, we seem to be fairly balanced in terms of the, 
of the focus of, of you know, what, what we need to look at in the marketplace. You know, in, the, in terms of the product technology changes, you know, we've seen a lot of new product introductions. We've seen some products go away. Uh, you know, I think that's that's just going to happen over time. That that's never going to end, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you'll see new garment styles, new fabric technologies, and of course, we've got to respond to the changes that happen in in industry as well. You know, new regulations come along. People um, uh, on the standards committees make changes to the NFPA standards or the ASTM test methodologies that we've got to respond to. So we're constantly tweaking the product portfolio to make sure that we're we're current with both uh, regulatory and uh, you know just common sense as well. No, that makes sense. Yeah, as as new hazards come about or, or new ways that we want to protect our employees. So thinking about that, what's been a really exciting product that you've seen come to market? You know, what's been the real game changer? Uh, you know, a couple of them. Number one, the Tychem 6000 fabric, I think, was a game changer on the chemical protection side. Um, just because of the fact that it's such a lightweight material with really broad spectrum chemical holdout. You know, prior to that fabric, people were wearing really heavy stuff. Um, you know, it's going to be less than half, more like a third to a quarter of the weight of some of the previous fabric technologies that were out there. And we've got a wide range of garment styles. So it's almost a, uh, you know, one size fits all. I mean, it's, it's, it's not exactly that. But, but when, you, when you approach chemical hazards in the workplace, chances are very good that that Tycom 6000 fabric is going to give people a, a great balance between a um, high level of chemical protection but also the uh the lightweightness of that fabric is going to make sure you're going to keep your people as comfortable as possible now you know obviously you're wearing a chemical suit on a sunny day in <laughs> in you know memphis tennessee it's you're going to be hot no matter what you're wearing but uh you know if you can keep people in the lightest material they can get away with you're going to be doing the best job you can to to you know keep them safe but also keep them as comfortable as possible so that's uh that's been a real uh a real game changer i think in terms of the chemical protection side um, you know, of course, some of the innovations in Tyvek, the Tyvek 800J is a, it's a niche product, right? But uh, for those people that need it, it's, it's a really cool product. It's got both the uh, liquid, liquid barrier uh, coating on the outside of the fabric and the tape seam. So I've had success with that at places like um, pharmaceutical companies that the, uh, that the workers have to shower out after they leave the production area because they're working with, you know, high hazard uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients, you know, powdered materials. Um, you know, so once again, you know, we continue to innovate, and uh, those are a couple that have come along in recent years that are really cool. On the thermal side, um, we've got a couple of exciting developments going on. Number one, Nomex Comfort. Uh, it's really a step change in, in the Nomex fabric technology. Um, you know, when you talk to people about Nomex 3A, which has been around for a number of years, there's this perception that it's hot, it's heavy, it's stiff, etc. Nomex Comfort basically takes that same uh, fabric performance which is why people liked it, but makes it a much more comfortable uh, fabric. It's got a much softer hand. Um, so that's, a, that's a, a, a big upgrade on the thermal protection side. And as far as arc flash, you'll probably see some uh, press releases or emails coming across shortly. We've got a, another couple family of um, uh, products coming out for the arc flash market space that should hit, uh, should hit the United States here over the next few weeks. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's always fun to see products that are innovated. And, and, you know, the nice part about that is when you've, when you've got something that's new, it gives you an excuse to reach out to your customers. Right. Um, yeah, it's great to have a touch point with your bigger customers, but if you know, people have got an opportunity for some of these products, it gives you an excuse to reach out and uh, potentially grow your business. Yeah. I think one of the, the, I guess the sort of the through lines you talked about is, is lighter weight, more, more comfort, more, you know, so looking at that ways that we can keep worker protection high, but also increase their comfort you know, as best we can. Yeah, and I'll tell you, in an area you've seen a lot of um, uh, work in that has been the you know glove technologies. Mm-hmm. You know, years back, cut-resistant gloves were kind of bulky. You know, they were knitted, and uh, our our value chain partners on the glove side have really done some unique things with taking Kevlar fiber and wrapping it around fiberglass or wrapping it around stainless steel to provide a real high cut level and a very thin, uh, highly dexterous, uh, dexterous type glove. So, um, you know, that's where our value chain partners come in. Uh, you know, we, we work closely with the, the garment manufacturers, the glove manufacturers, and, uh, you know, our technical people help their technical people uh, come up with these innovations that, uh, that just help the industry. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, in my mind, one of the game changers out there is, is SafeSpec. Um, you know, not, not necessarily the, the garments, but actually just the technology to help customers diagnose their situation and 
um, you know, be able to, to come up with a product that, that works for them. Uh, how is, how is that a tool that, that you integrate in, into your process? Well, I'll tell you, I'm biased, of course, but you know, I think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and I use it for a range of different things, you know, whether you're dealing, dealing with it, uh, online, uh, you know, if you're a person that sits in front of a, a computer, you've got an office and a desk, or if you're somebody like me that's out on the road a lot using the app, uh, you know, it's invaluable to have that permeation data at your fingertips. Uh, so when people have a question about a particular, uh, you know, particular hazardous chemical and what they're working with, you can very quickly get the information on both the uh, Tycom gloves and Tycom fabric, and in some cases our general protection fabric. Some of the Tyvek, some of the Tyvek offerings have got permeation data for them as well. Um, and the other thing that's invaluable is the fact that it's the entire catalog, right? So if you need a, a spec, a dimension, a size, a part number, uh, you know, a photograph of what something looks like, the uh, you know, safe spec both online and the, and the app provide all that information at your fingertips. It saves an awful lot of phone calls and digging through catalogs for me. Yeah, I think uh, I don't. I think it's an underrated tool in the fact that most people don't realize that it's got all that. You know, not only is it providing the sort of the, the product uh, push or, or recommendation or alignment, but there's is all the technical data. It's, it's basically like a, a breathing catalog or a, a virtual catalog. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I also think that a piece of it that's underutilized is um, you know it's not on the it's not on the app, right? We don't want to fill people's mobile devices up with tons and tons and tons of data. Uh, but the web version, all of the supporting documentation, all the product data sheets, all the videos, all of the all of the supporting content for each of these products that's that's available on the web version of it, uh, you know, it puts all that at your fingertips, and uh, it's just a great tool. To, to be able to show customers, you know, when you, when you take a customer and take them to the website and show them what's there, uh, they'll spend hours just, just searching around and playing with it. And, uh, it's, it's just a great, it's a great tool to, uh, to help support the DuPont products in the marketplace. You know, I, I hesitate to call it a sales tool, you know, cause really it was invented as a technical tool, but, uh, it, it is a great, uh, a great asset to the sales organization as well. Yeah. I, um, uh, my own little, like, uh, quick commercial i went out to a, a facility in indiana many years ago and they were complaining that their ladders were rusting and we thought that was weird and we went in there and it was a chemical manufacturing plant and there was just just i don't say loose chemicals that's probably not the right term but uh definitely just a lot of chemicals around and and you know we're saying hey your ladders are rusting because they're getting exposed to all these you know very uh you know, uh, acidic chemicals or whatever it was. And I, I passed the little safe, safe spec business card to the, the safety director. And, you know, I said, have you ever thought about, no, nobody was wearing any protective garments. And I said, have you ever thought about, you know, checking it out? No, 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 we don't have an issue. I said, take a look at this website. Go ahead and just punch it in. Uh, you know, hand, hand to God, the next day she called back and was like, Hey, I need someone to come in here and talk to us. And it was very, very quickly to be able to put in the chemicals they were using to see that, uh, you know, they had some exposure issues. So it was, it was easy to tell. Well, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the best case scenario, right? Unfortunately, a lot of times over, over the years that I've been doing this, when I get involved with an end user, it's because they've had an incident. You know, mm-hmm. somebody's, had a, somebody's had an exposure, there's been a recordable injury, uh, and it's great, to, it's great when you can take people to a tool like SafeSpec and uh, help them prevent that from happening in their workplace. So that, that's always the goal. But unfortunately, a lot of times it's, you know, yeah. it's reactive as opposed to proactive. We're good. Until we're not. Yeah, that's right. Well, we've never had an incident, so we don't need to think about it. <laughs> right. Uh, um, so uh, we talked a little bit about underrated things. What do you think is the most underrated or undersold or undermarketed DuPont personal protection product? You know, something that maybe solves a great problem, but people don't understand it as well, so it doesn't sell as, as good as it should. Well, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, right. One of the challenges that we've got, especially with products that we introduce that are new, is that because we, um, you know, are, are generally at arm's length removed away from uh, the end user in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, we sell through distribution on the garment and the glove side. We sell through value chain partners. The challenge we've got is when we have um, new product introductions, it's in many cases, hey, it's the, it's the, it's the best-kept secret, right? Mm-hmm. It's very hard to get that information out. I mean, think about an organization like you know, fill in the Black. I'll, I won't use a national name. We all know who they are, right? Think about the size of their organizations. Think about the size of their catalogs. You know, we aren't really supposed to be reaching out to all their individual thousands of field reps mm-hmm. because if every manufacturer they supported did that, they'd be inundated with literally thousands of emails every day. Right. 
so you know there's a there's a corporate filter in between so when we inter- introduce something new like no mix comfort or like tycam 6000 uh, fabric or tycam 2000 sfr which has been a great one right um in, in many cases it's it's uh it's, it's you're just going out there one at a time and trying to introduce people to these new fabrics these new products these new technologies it's, it's very difficult to get industry awareness you know and uh i know we uh uh, we, we've gone to a virtual trade show type world that we're living in now, but you know, that's one of the benefits of, of an actual in-person trade show is you've got all this stuff on the booth. People come by as tire kickers and they see stuff and, you know, it solves the need that they, that they've had, but they didn't know there was a solution for it. And I don't know what the best answer to that is where, you know, at, at DuPont, we're doing more and more work with, uh, social media, uh, you know, and direct marketing and collecting mailing lists. But, uh, uh, I think there's a lot more work to be done there. And, you know, of course, that's where that's where uh, the line drive folks can come in and help us as well. You know, you've got those contacts with your local regional uh, distributor reps and safety specialists and, uh, you know, just to reinforce that information. A lot of the nationals were required to send the information to somebody at corporate. And, you know, whether it gets any farther than that ever is is impossible for us to know. So uh, communication of these new technologies, new fabrics is tough. And, you know, once again, there's no no substitute for getting into a customer site, walking around, seeing what they're doing and saying, oh, by the way, have you ever thought of this? Have you ever thought of that? Right. I've got uh, you know, t- tons of examples where I've, I've done that. You, you get brought in for one thing, you start walking around and you make them aware of other options and, you know, it turns into a much bigger opportunity than, than what you thought when you walked in the door. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it. We talk about that a lot is helping them know what they don't know. You know, and, and trade shows help with some of that stuff, the the online marketing and presence. But a lot of our a lot of our customers don't know that there's other solutions out there, or maybe that there's something better that they should be using. Exactly. Uh, and the other thing that we've got in the industry, a range of industries, is well, why are you using that? Well, it's what we've always used. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, you've been using that for twenty years, and there's now something newer, better, lighter. Uh, or, oh, by the way, that didn't really protect you in the first place, and you shouldn't have been in it anyhow. So, you know, we've got all that going on. And once again, the only way to to to, to get a lot of that is to be on site, you know, at the actual end user and looking at what they're doing. Yeah, I, I sort of, I, I just like it clicked in my head like a little bit like a car. Like you go into the Hyundai dealer and you're like, hey, I see all these great new looking ones, but can I get a 2001 Hyundai? You got do you have one of those around because those worked, and I, I would still like to use that. You know, I think there is there is especially in the in the uh, uh, safety, but the protective suits is like, yeah, this is what we always used. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. So would you say it's a safe, three safety? Yeah, because three safety guys ago <laughs> specified this in, and nobody's ever done the uh, done the analysis to figure out if uh, if this is still valid. Right. So would you so think about the customer side of it? You know, would you say that that's the most common misconception you see, or, or what do you see out there that, that customers are maybe not aware of or, or doing wrong? Um, you know, it, it varies widely based upon, to be honest, the experience of the safety professional on site. You know, we've got we've got some customers that will have certified industrial hygienists. You know, people that are, uh, you know, like like those of us on that are listening to this podcast, right? People that have been doing safety for years and years, and they know, you know, they know the ropes. They they know what to what to look for. They've got some either you know professional experience or or educational experience in the safety field. But I think there's equally as many out there where, you know, you've got somebody that last week they were a production person and they've been promoted to greatness. You know, now they're a safety person and, uh, you know, they're just wading through the mess of, oh, my God, what, you know, what do I do? How do I do this? Um, And I think those are the folks that we have the greatest opportunity to help um, just because they don't know what they don't know. And those are also the ones that, unfortunately, when you know when they have an incident, they're they're really scrambling to figure out how do we, how do we uh, prevent this from happening again and react. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I, I've used that example before that you know some there are some really great safety professionals out there, and some people just sort of inherit a role or, or get put into something to to be a stopgap. And um, you know those are the ones we we want to reach out, make sure we're really helping um, helping them understand what they don't know and, and maybe what they're doing wrong. Um, thinking about thinking about the past, give me a. Can you talk about one of your best customer stories you've ever had? Maybe interesting, complex, entertaining. Um, you know, a couple of a couple of things uh, inside Dupont. Uh, you know, I talked about my my journey right on mm-hmm. my career. I will say that one of the uh, one of the, the 
coolest things about my time at DuPont has been the incredibly brilliant talented people that I've had the opportunity to be exposed to. Uh, and they're all willing to, most of them have been willing to share uh, their knowledge. You know, they'll answer my stupid questions and help me learn. Uh, so internally, we've had incredible resources. Externally, um, you know, I've had the privilege of working with some really, really unique um, organizations. Um, on the fire service side, some of the larger cities in America, uh, the hazmat operation folks there, hazmat guys are just fascinating, you know, to start with their firefighters. And I'm sure some of the folks on this call know firefighters or might be firefighters themselves or have family members, but they're just such a good lot of people in terms of the way they view the world and humanity and the hazmat crews. They're a, they're a whole different animal. You know, they're that firefighter mentality, but, uh, you know, they're willing to, put on a, a crazy suit and, and put themselves in harm's way in some really weird situations. So it's, it's been really great working with some of the larger municipalities in this country on the hazmat side. Um, you know, military, law enforcement, those are really cool as well. The uh, uh, chemical warfare destruction sites have used DuPont product for years and years at all those different sites. I've had the privilege of visiting uh, some of those and uh, seeing their operations and meeting meeting those uh, characters that you know, basically babysit stockpiles of really bad stuff, um, you know, and and just the ability to walk around different manufacturing operations. You know, I've uh, I've been able to see so many different unique things. You know, from you know from the bunkers where chemical warfare agents are stored in rockets to uh, um, uh, you know, the, the GE engine plant that makes diesel engines for locomotives. You know, I spent a week walking around there, um, you know, uh, uh, sulfur acid car battery plants. You know, just th the number of weird manufacturing sites I've been able to see has been incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just been a privilege. It's, uh, it's been a, a great, uh, it's been a great gig, and hopefully I can keep doing this for a few more years and, uh, uh, you know, see some more unique manufacturing environments. Right. I mean, I, I remember the one time that you, Peter, and I went to the pierogi manufacturer and helped them with their level A suits, and we got free pierogies at the end. So, you know, every job's got its benefits. <laughs> exactly. You just never know. I've been in, I've been in a ton of sewage treatment plants. You know, oh, wow. not something that most, most people go and visit on a regular basis, but uh, I've been in a staggering number of those. I've been in the uh, drinking water plants for uh, the city of Columbus, the uh, city of Los Angeles, you know, drinking water operations and seeing seeing the way all that stuff happens it's uh so you know there's just there's a long 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 list of really unique manufacturing and and uh, municipal and federal uh environments i've been in you know i've got the privilege of working with the uh the dea in terms of the uh clandestine lab folks all over the country mm. um you know i've done training for lots and lots and lots of their people so uh, you know, being in a room with a whole bunch of undercover drug agents is uh, kind of a fascinating experience as well. Everybody's wearing a gun. Yeah. You know, it's uh, just it's just been a, a really unique uh, unique set of experiences I've been able to have in the, in the roles that I've had uh, here with Dupont. Hmm. Have you uh, have you been close to a, a hazmat or a, a level A situation yourself? I have not had to put on a level A suit other than for training and entertainment purposes. I've never knowingly walked into uh, clouds of clouds of nasty vapor. Uh, for quite a few years, I did maintain my 40-hour Hazwopper certification. So every uh, every other year, I'd wear a wear a level A suit, you know, for real with an SCBA, and and they you know, go through the motions of of the different capping kits. So I'm I'm familiar with. Uh, you know, familiar with what these guys have to go through, but no, I fortunately have not had to uh, had a down one. Not that I wouldn't, but just the opportunities never come up. You you would run into danger. I also think I that, that I would. I also I also think that the uh, departments that I work with and the the companies, I think there's probably a liability issue if they put somebody like me that's not on their team that they don't know their certification levels and all that. You know, if they were to, to put me out in harm's way, if God forbid something was to go wrong, I think there's probably some liability issues that might prevent me from uh, going out and having that experience. But I certainly wouldn't be opposed to it. Right. That's probably fair. You're, you, you're either called in beforehand or well after to, to do some uh, analysis, I guess. Yeah. Probably the closest is the uh, fuming acid spill mitigation workshops that they hold out in Mercury, Nevada where uh, um, the sulfuric acid folks actually make clouds of fuming sulfuric acid, and you got to don suits and respiratory equipment and, and knock the clouds down for real. Oh, that sounds like a fun way to spend a weekend. Yeah, go out to, go out to the desert. And 
hotter in hell conditions and, and see clouds of sulfuric acid. Oh, great. That's great. Uh, think about, uh, you know, you've worked with line drive for a bit. What, what's your advice to the line drive team or, or really any seller, you know, distribution or otherwise on, on how to be successful in selling DuPont uh, protective gear? So obviously I've had a, you know, a long-term experience now with line drive since you know, I was at DuPont since, uh, since you guys joined us. And a, a couple of key points. Number one, I think uh, Line Drive is doing an incredible job right now with uh, the hiring of the new reps. Um, you know, over the years we've had a mixed bag of, of successes and failures, but uh, right now, uh, certainly my team in the Northeast is incredibly solid. Um, from a from a um, you know development perspective, um, one of the things that I'd say is don't be don't be afraid to get out there and, and get in front of customers. And, uh, you know, don't be bashful about it. If you don't know the answer, tell them, I don't know, but you know what? We've, you know, we've got technical resources. Get the questions answered. The more experiences you have with various uh, different applications, you know, industrial applications or municipal applications, whatever it is, the more experiences you have helping people through the PPE process, the better equipped you are for the next one that comes up. And the only way to do that is to get out there and, and get in these sites, you know. So hopefully in the next couple of months here, mm-hmm. travel restrictions ease, uh, facilities are more willing to, to let visitors from the outside come in. Take advantage of that. Get out there as much as you can. And, uh, you know, when you're out there, you know, on, you know, look at what people are doing, but also ask the experts, you know, call, call the folks that you, that you uh, work with, you know, call DuPont, call Fluke, call the, uh, you know, MCR, call the, call the people who uh, can support you in the field. Cause every single time you do that, you learn something about another application and it just makes you that much more valuable and that's that much more self-sufficient in the field. Are you going to say that the great Dan Bowen has encountered situations where he doesn't know the answer? Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I call the folks at uh, uh, in Richmond or other places, right? We, we, like I said, we've got a stable of chemists and folks that will pick up the phone if I call them. Uh, and I'll tell you, you'd be one of the couple of interesting anecdotes. Um, I'm on the 800 number, so if if somebody goes to the website and finds the 800 number for Dupont, and they try to call our customer service folks, they'll get my cell phone number after hours for after hour support, and. Uh, uh, one interesting one, I was out in Colorado visiting my uh, 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 stepsons with my wife, and it happened to be Super Bowl Sunday, and we were having a few adult beverages, and my phone rang, and because I know I'm on that 800 number hotline list, I always answer it. It was the Virginia State Police, and they had a situation where somebody was demolishing a building, and they found very old DuPont dynamite in the walls <laughs> of the building. And uh, so they called me up, and uh, I I took that call and, um, you know, they sent me pictures of what it was. I said, well, I can't tell you anything from the phone, but you guys, if you, if you give me some images of what you're working with, I've got resources. So, um, I, I knew a number of, of retired DuPont folks who had worked around those things in the past. Uh, I was able to pick up the phone on Super Bowl Sunday while everybody in the country was having adult beverages and, uh, folks took my calls and I was able to actually get the, uh, Virginia state police, the information they needed on, what the what the makeup of that uh, uh, of that Dupont dynamite was and how it uh, how it should be safely handled, and um, you know it's a, those resources are there for us. And you know, don't be bashful. If I don't know the answer, I'll go find it someplace. You know, we've we've got uh, you know both current and ex Duponters that uh, that I still rely on to help me through the more difficult situations that come up. That uh, that that is an, an excellent story. I'm, I'm thinking like, why doesn't Dupont still make dynamite? I would love to ref that. Can you imagine the demos? <laughs> Just how blowing things up. <laughs> I had uh, a number of years back. I had a boss who I think had the dream job with Dupont. He um, he lived in Texas at the time, and you know before joining the graphic arts business, uh, Dupont owned Remington Firearms. He was a gun sales rep in Texas. Oh wow! Yeah, well, that, that, that's not fair. I mean, what, what's the quota on that guy? You know, like... <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of interesting businesses over the years that have uh, that have come and gone at uh, at the Dupont Corporation. Wow, that, I did not know there was Dupont Dynamite. That's that's kind of cool. I'm gonna look that up. Um, so as we think of it, as we're going out, and we're selling, and, and I think that's that's great advice to get in there, just get in the situation. Uh, you know, we're generally all trained salespeople. So we know the questions to ask, you know, what's the current state? What issues are you having? Has anything changed? So, you know, you, you, we can do a good job of collecting information and, and to your point saying at the end, Hey, you know what? 
I can't give you the answer right now, but I know people. I got I got guys. And that's uh Yeah, and, and you know, and, and we've got the other uh side of it. We got the technical resources in our certified industrial hijacks. You know, if you've got a good size opportunity, help put one of our people on site, make the offer. Right. Um, you know, don't 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 be bashful. You know, get out there and, and get your get your hands dirty in the uh, and the and the end user base, and just you see what people are doing, and the more you do it, the better equipped you are, and the more success you're going to have. I would say, it, it, forgive my ignorance, but is the the CIH team? I know we've got three three people on the team. Is that something that's a differentiator? Or other protective garment companies equipped like that? I don't believe any of our competition does that. Um, you know that is that is unique to Dupont. The fact that we've got folks that that we are willing to to you know you can communicate with them by email, cell phone, or if it's a good sized uh, good sized end user opportunity, we'll put them on site as well. So yep, that is a that is a differentiator, just like SafeSpec. Okay, um, it's, I guess that leads me to my next question. You know, how what's the best way of you seen to pos- position against competition? How do you how do you get the end user away from I'm good or we're good? Um. That's an interesting one. Um, you know, a lot of times they're not aware of other options that are out there. Um, in some cases, they they may not even be in the right thing to start with. Uh, they may be radically underprotected or radically overprotected. And, you know, that's really, for my entire career, doesn't matter what industry I've been in, uh, my whole focus has always been consultative selling, right? You're not there to just push a product. You know, you don't want to you don't want to be an order taker. You don't want to just, you know, hey, you're buying that. I can sell it to you too, or I can sell you something just like it for cheaper. I always want to make sure what are you, what are you using and why, right? In some mm-hmm. cases, we might be able to put them into a, a lighter weight, lower cost product. Maybe what they're doing is overkill, or maybe what they're doing is radically underkill, and it's just, you know, thank God they've never had an incident, but it's an accident waiting to happen. Uh, I think I think people have value for that. Um, I don't know if it gets you a huge price premium for it, um, but uh, people do value the technical expertise that companies like DuPont bring to them. And, uh, you know, your, your folks, line drive folks, are an extension of, of that. You know, you're an extension of DuPont. And, um, you know, what I've seen is, uh, at least here in the Northeast, I had a, I think through the folks that I've got over the last few years, everybody was pretty green. Um, you know, relatively new to, new to safety or, or, uh, you know, new to DuPont line drive. And early on, you get a lot of the, uh, a lot of the questions, you know, what is this? What is that? What does this mean? But, you know, over the past couple of years, boy, people have really come up to speed and it's because they've, they've gone out and they've done that. You know, they've, they've, they've looked at what the customers are doing. They've tried to try to be consultative salespeople and, and help them do a better solution. Mm. No, that, that's good. I was, I was actually going to ask, you teed me up. I would say like, you know, over the past five to seven years or so, how, how have you seen line drive evolve? And it sounds like just, you know, continued engagement and, and deeper going in and, and just learning and, and getting in with the customer. Well, a couple of things. As I said earlier, I think that you guys have done a yeoman's job in terms of changing your hiring practices. The, uh, the recent stable of folks that you brought on in the last few years have been head and shoulders above uh, the team that was, was there before. Uh, you know, nothing against, you know, sure. some of you long timers, right? <laughs> um, but well, the long timers made you know, it. So it's <laughs> exactly the, uh, you had a lot of turnover in the field over the years. Um, you know, I, I've seen a step change difference in the uh, retention rate of folks and the quality level of the folks that are being hired. Um, you know, the, you're bringing people in that have got a lot of potential, uh, people that have got a, a, a bit more experience in the you know distribution or safety side of life, and it's uh, it's paying off because people are staying. You're keeping the people, and you know the 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 longer they stay, the more success they have with uh, with the range of distributors uh, distributors you work with, you know with the range of uh, different industrial applications, the better they get. Uh, and and I'm sure you guys see it in the numbers, right? Right. Uh, I'm sure you you guys track the uh, track the performance of of your individuals and. I'd be willing to bet that once people hit that 18 month to 24 month mark, they're uh, they're starting to show a step step change improvement and uh, uh, sales success in the field. No, absolutely. I think you know we, we put a lot of effort and energy into you know making sure that we're getting people up to speed and that you know they're they're comfortable and confident in their role and that they're they're equipped to perform. And we want people to stick around. We uh, we love we love having long termers here that that are knowledgeable and can make a, a great impact in sales. 
and we and we appreciate the uh, the manufacturers that align and, and help train along the way. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, don't be bashful. You know, if, if somebody's got a question, pick up the phone. You know, we're more than happy <laughs> right. to help. You know. I was to say, there's no stupid questions, it's but our, there's sometimes, no, but generally there's no not. stupid questions. The other thing to keep in mind is that you know, across the country, the Dupont regional sales managers, there's a wide range of experiences there as well, and it's going to vary. Um, based upon geography, right? So if, if you think about uh, my territory, the Northeast, right? I'm not real heavy with refineries, uh, so I don't spend a staggering amount of time at, at uh, petrochem facilities. But Steve Mata lives down in the Gulf. You know, he has lived his entire life, uh, his life, a professional's life, uh, you know, working with, working with refineries and oil and gas. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott Zorn's down in the, the Southeast. He's had a tremendous amount of experience with paper mills, right? So if anybody from Line Drive has, happens to uh, be going in to talk to a paper mill, Scott will pick up the phone anytime anybody calls him, and uh, you know he's got a lot of experience in that area. So as you look around the country, you know you're going to find different uh, different folks that got different experiences based upon the industries that that they've got in their different geographies. And uh, you know, like I said, don't be bashful. Pick up right. the phone if if there's something that uh, you need help and information on. You know, any, any of us will be able to figure out if there's somebody in our organization that uh, that has that knowledge and can 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 help you. Right, that, that's a great point. I mean, it's not just so. You know, if you're not in Dan's region, and you know, if you're in Craig's region or Alex's area or whatever that is, that you know, they've got a great network that has had a varied experience and brings a lot of knowledge. So there's probably uh, very few incidents that somebody has not seen or experienced or come up with a solution already. Exactly. Well, and also, if you think about the industrial applications, you know, Alex Blair spent years and years and years uh, in the glove world, right? So he is a cut protection wizard. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, if you had some need for some technical guidance there, uh, he's the guy. You know, I live with hazmat crews. You know, if you're dealing with hazmat folks, you know, give me a ring. You know, and we've got our control environment specialists as well. So you know, we we try to make sure that uh, if, if something comes up, we we find a resource to help you get the questions answered. Right. Absolutely. Um, so finishing up here, I always like to take it a little like a personal level. Um, give me your, the, the best fishing story or the biggest fish ever caught. What's, what's every, every fishing guy has got a story. Oh, good Lord. Um, you know, when, when I was a kid, I started behind my grandmother's house with a ball of cotton twine, a safety pin and bread balls trying to catch minnows. Um, so I, I've got the, I've got the fishing disease. I, I don't think there's any cure for it. Um, over the years, there's been just so many, you know, I've, uh, my wife and I have caught, uh, uh, Marlin in Mexico and the sailfish. Um, you know, obviously I've got a passion for fly fishing for, for various, uh, species, anything that'll take a fly. Um, you know, probably the, probably the, uh, I don't know. There's a range of stories. I almost lost a friend one day. We were steelhead fishing, uh, fish with a couple of elderly gentlemen and who was fishing with an elderly gentleman who, um, uh, was suffering from the early stages of Parkinson's and it was December and we were on the great lakes. We were halfway between Buffalo and Rochester. So anybody who lives up in the Northern portions of the country, you know what the weather was like that day. He was heavily bundled up and, uh, uh managed to fall in the river. And, uh, I had to chase him, chase his body down floating down the river he was laying on his back at first looking up and i got about halfway to him and he flipped over and now he's face down moving away from me heading towards a set of rapids and uh i did manage to catch up with him before i lost him flipped him over and got him out of the water that was a uh, that was a very very scary moment wow. uh you know to sort of co- come back to safety you know the next day I, that was the end of that trip you know i took him home the next day he called me up and he said he was concerned that i was never going to fish with him and I said, well, from, you know, from this point forward, there's, there's, there's two rules that we're going to have. Uh, number one, you are always going to wear a, uh, automatic inflating life vest, which was a boon to the, uh, safety of the fishing industry. Mm-hmm. And I said, number two, you're always going to fish upstream for me. Cause I want your body coming towards me. I don't want us <laughs> to chase you down a river, but, um, you know, that, that was an exciting fishing story. A lot of the rest of them, it's just, you know, too many, too many photographs over the years of, of large fish and smiling faces and, Right. Uh, I guess the, the the coolest thing about chasing trout with a fly rod is trout thrive in the places that I thrive. You know, they don't live in in polluted city waters. They thrive in beautiful, crystal clear, 
uh, mountain waterways. And that's where I love to spend uh, as much of my time as possible. So it's a, it's a stupid hobby or a passion or whatever, you know, insanity, whatever word you want to use for it. That, uh, uh, really, uh, really drives me to see some absolutely beautiful parts of the world. Oh, that's awesome. Um, speaking of that, you've recently moved south of the Mason-Dixon line, so are you enjoying the mountain life down there? I am, y'all. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not far from uh, Asheville, North Carolina. I got out of the Northeast. Um, I'll tell you, the, uh, the climate is so much nicer over here on the western side of North Carolina. I barely saw snow this winter. Last summer, there were literally three days where the thermometer hit 90 degrees. The rest of the time, it was uh, you know mid-80s all summer long. The uh, people down here are incredible. You know, I grew up in Buffalo where people are very friendly and chatty. Uh, same situation over here in this part of North Carolina. It's, uh, uh, people love to talk and, and see how you're doing, and it's just a, it's a much nicer way of life than, uh, than the busy, frenzied, irritated uh, Northeast that I left. <laughs> That's good, yeah. And, and all, Should have done it 25 years ago. Oh, there you go. Now, now you can enjoy it. Now you, you've experienced other half, so now you know you know what you're not missing. Um, Absolutely. Final question. This is actually a listener generated question. I had a couple people when I said I was, I said I was interviewing you. The the two people who came with me with the same question is what bluegrass group are you most excited to see when we finally go back to concerts? Well, uh, we actually went this past weekend. Uh, right. We went to the Gettysburg Bluegrass Festival. Uh, we camped. It was at a campground. There were about 600 people in the audience. There were four people wearing masks. Uh, two of them were from Connecticut. Two were from New Jersey. Right. The, uh, the rest of the crowd was pretty laid back about the whole situation. And uh, we, uh, we like a few of them. Uh, Steep Canyon Rangers is a local group from down here. They're kind of new grass. They're incredible. There's a group out of Colorado called Trout Steak Revival. Uh, we follow them quite a bit. And, uh, you know, there's just a whole, whole host of them that do these festivals, but, uh, um, you know, probably the, probably the Rangers are the ones we, uh, we like to see the most. All right. Very cool. I, I'll have to listen on Spotify. We'll have to, we'll have to check that out. So Dan, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your insights and, and always learn something when I talk to you. So thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Happy to help. Take care, everybody. Hello, Certified Fresh listeners. This is an exciting treat for you as we're a Certified Fresh on the road. Z here coming to you from San Antonio, Texas with Arturo Moran. How are you doing today, Arturo? You know, I'm doing great, Brian. I appreciate it. it it's great to work with you, and uh, uh, it's a nice sunny day, so I can't complain. Down yeah, here. the sunny day probably <laughs> takes uh, prevalent or takes preference over working with me, but that's cool. I, I get that. So um, <laughs> we're excited. This is another segment of Get to Know a Newbie. We've got Arturo on here. Arturo's been on a little bit over a month. So give us a background. What's your role, and, and where do you where do you live? Sure. So I am uh, the solutions consultant for Line Drive, based out of San Antonio. Uh, I'm covering all of South Texas and, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people say Texas might as well be its own state. So uh, I've worked this territory for quite some time in a prior role. So, um, I'm, I'm on the road a lot and driving a lot and it's a, a pretty big territory driving wise. So, um, that's kind of my role here at line drive. So now, as we know, everyone is from Texas is born and bred here. That's the case for you, right? <laughs> no, no. I'm actually originally from the East Coast. So um, I lived in Connecticut. I lived in Massachusetts. Uh, I lived in Houston for a short time. And then I, I actually came here in 2013, San Antonio. So um, it's actually kind of common now. You're, you're seeing a lot of folks from all over the country move into Texas. Um, I'm included. So I did that before it was cool, before it was trendy. Okay, um, so I like I, it. Trendsetter. So, yeah, so... Uh, that was back in 2013, and I've been here ever since. So, so most of you, most of us, some of us know your background is with Brady mm -hmm. in the the safety aspect, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, that is correct. So, I started with Brady back in June of 2012, um, and that's kind of why I moved a lot. I was actually in their uh, what they call rotational program, where they actually had intentions of moving you around to different divisions. So, I had a lot of great experience from inside sales to direct sales to. Um, channel sales and, and um, I finally got my first outside sales opportunity in 2013 that was kind of my first um, experience working um, you know at customers facilities so yep and that's been my background so now I heard you mention at a customer um, mm -hmm. this week that you know your passion and your background and implying that where you want to be is in that industrial and that industrial safety marketplace 
Yeah, that is correct. So when I left Brady to pursue other opportunities, I actually went to uh, corrugated packaging, which as you know, is not related to safety at all. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really more uh, um, working with customers to find a perfect packaging solution for them. Um, and, and to be honest with you, as I kind of worked with customers in their facilities, my mind was still thinking safety. Like I, I used to think all the time as I walked by, I'm like, man, that's not safe. Oh man, they need to improve there. Or I, I see so many opportunities here from a safety perspective. So my goal really was to always get back to safety and kind of get back to that MRO safety industrial um, arena. And um, I, I had a real passion for it. And I really missed that for, it was only four months so it kind of <laughs> felt like an eternity because I really really wanted to get back to that and um, I think this opportunity uh, you know allowed me to do that so great that's, well, that's a great yeah. fit I think you know our team is definitely passionate about workplace and, and especially worker safety so yeah. glad we can glad we can align with you on that um, yeah. let's take it back old school what was your first job in high school <laughs> first job in high school so um, one of the first jobs I ever had was I worked for a rental car company. And as you could imagine, you've probably heard some crazy stories about rental cars. So I interned there for maybe four or five, uh, four months, I think in the summer. And that was my first job. And I had a lot of pretty crazy experiences with people taking cars, taking off with them and having to kind of do a quote unquote repose and <laughs> get those back. And then of course people, going to Vegas for the weekend or, or partying in them somewhere in New Jersey or wherever the casinos and kind of bringing them back all, you know, smoked out and stuff. So that was kind of my first job and kind of dealt with a lot of really strange things. That's kind of where I first started learning that, you know, people do some strange things. <laughs> all right, I was going to say, what, what's the one thing you learned from that? And you're telling me it's like people do weird and dumb things, which parlays very well into your current safety role. Yeah, yeah, exa exactly. So I, I learned that, you know, people... <laughs> don't always take care of things. And that's kind of what I learned at um, uh, the rental car industry. And I was the guy also tr having to clean up and clean out uh, <laughs> cars. So you can imagine not every car came back in the best shape and it looked like they had like a, a four person party in, in some of these cars. So oh that was my God. first job. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. Um, how about a little insight on your family? Nothing, you don't have to get too personal here. What's going on? What's the, the Aturo sitch? Sure, sure. So I, I've had a girlfriend since 2017 and um, you know, she's moved into, so I bought a new home this summer. So, uh, you know, she moved in with me and uh, you know, I'll, I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit, I'm in the hot seat right now, you know, where, you know, I'm getting kind of pressed on marriage and kids. So, you know, I've, uh, <laughs> I'm not young anymore. So I have to really start <laughs> taking this into consideration and start saying, okay, you know, so I'm a little bit in the hot seat. I'll, I'll be the first to admit. So, uh, you know, if, uh, if I seem flustered, that may be one thing <laughs> comes up, you know, I get, I get pressed at home sometimes more than I do on, on, in my actual job. So just so you know, so that's, that's kind of the situation there. <laughs> nice. How was uh moving during COVID? Oh, it, it had some challenges for sure. It's like, you know, do you hire movers? Do you just do it yourself? You know, you got to kind of weigh the cost benefit of it. You know, I ended up actually just doing it myself because I said, you know, um, there was a lot of movers that kind of had some high prices because I think uh, there was a lot of moving and a lot of people purchasing homes. So I think it, it was kind of their opportunity to kind of really right. have some higher costs. And I was like, eh, I'll just... I'll just do it myself. I got enough friends where, you know, they have some pickup trucks. I'll just call them and we'll just do it ourselves. And I, I, I made it happen. Right. So for it those, was, for those of you who attended the multi-line selling training and I talked about, you know, when people get all nervous about, can I ask you a favor? It's because of guys like Arturo and he's like, can I ask you a favor? He's like, Hey, can you help me move my home? <laughs> can you help me move my house in the middle of a Texas summer? And people are like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've dog sitted before for some of my ah. friends. So it's like, you got to return the favor. If you've asked me, <laughs> I, I took care of one of my friends, uh, uh, I think it was like a bunny, bunny sitting. So I've done that before. So so if I could bunny sit or dog sit for you, I'm going to ask you for a favor down the road. You're helping so, move a couch. Yeah, good. exactly. So That's I good. think it's justified. <laughs> so, All right. Any yeah. uh, any interesting hobbies or skills that you picked up during the pandemic? Um, no, I, I think the only one is, um, you know, I did move to a new home um, in the middle of the pandemic. So... I think I did pick up some good trade skills and some handyman skills. Like, you know, I learned how to put up some, um, um, some racks, some blinds, some, you know, 
large picture frames at the house. Um, you know, I learned how to repaint damaged walls. So, uh, you know, I mean, you're moving couches, they're gonna scrape the walls. <laughs> I've had to, I've had to do that. So, um, you know, I kind of uh, learned how to do that. So some handyman skills. So if anyone needs some pointers or tips, uh, I'm sure I got some that I could share. I like sure, it, so. I like it, that's good. Yeah. All right, my, my favorite food challenge, this or that, um, mm -hmm. Chinese or sushi? Ooh, um, Give me, give me, give me sushi. I'll do sushi. Okay. Yeah, I like sushi. Chicken wings or chicken nuggets? Ooh, you know, chicken wings. I'm, I'm a big chicken wing guy. So give me that. Yeah. All right, McDonald's or Wendy's? Oh, can I pick Whataburger? Can I cheat a bit? Okay, so that's great because my next question is: Is the hype behind Whataburger <laughs> actually for real? Oh, okay, so here, here's my take on Whataburger. I'm not a, you know, I think that it's a. I think it's much better than McDonald's and Burger King, but at the end of the day, it's still fast food. So uh, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I'm sure a lot of the salespeople listening also go through this too. Um, when you're on the road and you gotta get to your next appointment, you may only have five minutes to, to eat. And Whataburger is gonna be a choice for me because one, they're located everywhere and it's actually a step up from the McDonald's and the Burger King. So um, I, I, I'll buy into the hype. I, I think it's better, it's better quality better taste better service so i'll, I'll buy into it all yeah right, i'll recommend it T I'll texans recommend love it. the whataburger they they do they do for sure all right um you're a month into the role ish <laughs> what uh what for you has been the most exciting or the coolest thing about being at line drive you know i think the the coolest thing from being at line drive is it it kind of feels like from all the way from the east coast to the west coast it kind of just feels like it's just one team so at previous companies, it was kind of just like, you know, every kind of region is kind of separated and you really don't like, you know, if you're in the South region, you really don't communicate that much with the, with the East or the West Coast that much outside of maybe annual meetings. So what I really like about Line Drive is it seems like it's just one team. Like, yeah, there's, you know, is it East, West and Central? Is that correct, Brian? Yeah. So even though they're separate teams, it kind of seems like it's just one team. So you could talk to someone from the East Coast or West Coast, whenever, and it's like, it's kind of a normal thing. That's pretty, that's new to me. I think that's neat and, it, and you know, it kind of creates a more collaborative effort and it's kind of just one team. I, I kind of think that's the neatest thing so far. No, that's awesome. I like to hear that. That's good. One, mm -hmm. one team, man. Um, now the travel's starting again. Where would you say you and Justine? Where are you going? What's the dream destination? Uh, I, I've been getting um, a lot of, um, rec uh, you know, uh, you know. I think it's going to be Hawaii. So um, we eventually want to make a, a, a nice weekend trip to Hawaii, and uh, you know, we hear Honolulu. Honolulu is nice. Uh, never been, so I think that's a goal for us eventually is to. Uh, maybe go this summer or next summer. So um, I don't know. You ever, you ever been, Brian? I've not. I'm I'm okay. I'm saving it for, and it's a long story, but I have not. <laughs> so you got your own history. I got my own. I got my own Hawaii. timeline. Yeah. So so she wants me to take her to Hawaii, and uh, you know that's a goal for me to get her there, and and that's one that it's on my list of things to do, and you know. So I'm on the hot seat for a lot of things. I, was say, I, I wasn't gonna say, I wasn't gonna say anything, but there's a lot of pressure coming from the house. The, the, yeah, I'm under a lot of pressure here, Brian. So if I seem calm, that's that's some trained skill right there to be calm. Yeah, it's beneath the surface. So I'm 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 in the hot seat though. But okay. All right, so we're coming out of one year out of the panty. Um, yeah. What were you watching? You you watch some TV? What were your favorite binge shows to watch? So, so. I am big into the um, the Cobra Kai series, and it really brought me back because um, I, I watched all the movies. I was a big fan, even even though some of the critics will say, "Ah, I didn't like this movie." I didn't, you know. I was a big fan, so I think the Cobra Kai series was a really fresh take on it, on 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 the characters, and it kind of what I really liked is how the directors kind of flipped it around and made some people that you thought were the villains actually kind of the protagonists in the new series. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, and then I will also say the, the Marvel TV series on Disney plus, uh, I'm a big fan of those. So, um, I also binged on, binged on that as well. So those are kind of the, the three that I really got into. All right. So, Kai Hive, you know who you are. I've heard enough Cobra Kai things from you. <laughs> Feel free to reach out to Arturo and you can talk about your favorite moments. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the new season. So if anyone's got some insider information on that, hey, let, let me know because I'm, 
I'm waiting for that. I haven't heard any news. I don't know. So right. you tell me. Pass that on. So, Arturo, thanks for uh, taking some time. Welcome to Lion Drive. Uh, look forward to working with you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's our show. Another fresh look into the workings of Line Drive. Thank you all for listening, and thanks to Dan and Arturo for joining us. Hopefully you learned something new about uh, Line Drive, one of our manufacturer partners, or even one of our new solution consultants in the field. I ask that you subscribe on your chosen platform, smash that like button on Teams, and of course, reach out with an idea or topic that you'd like to know more about. And honestly, again, please tell your Line Drive counterparts how much you enjoy listening and learning with Z every week. Certified Fresh is a Line Drive production. Recording comes to you from all over the country with guests far and wide. Your host and executive producer is me, Brian Zamania, and our technical producer is Amy Struckmeyer.